Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to choose needle and thread and how to pair them together in your projects, which we know can be a confusing topic. We'll also give tips for using wool batting and keeping your workspace clean, share heartwarming stories of quilters making a difference in their communities, and play a fun game with the woodworkers in our office. So let's dive in. We've all been there before, standing in front of a store display of thread and needles trying to decide what we should use for our project. When you look at the packaging, it can seem like a jumble of numbers and confusing words that can leave you feeling overwhelmed. But understanding these terms is the first step in choosing the right needle and thread combos. I'm here with Allison Gam, the designer of Quilts and War magazine, and today we're going to break down the basics so you can confidently select what you need to start sewing. Yeah, so the first thing you want to do is understand the labels. For needles, the packaging usually has two key pieces of information, the type and size. So the type might say something like universal, sharp, ballpoint, milliners, or quilting. The size um, you'll have such as 80 slash 12, 90 slash 14, 8, and 12. So for machine needles, the two numbers separated by the slash indicate the needle size. The number on the left side of the slash is the European size, and the number on the right is the American size. So when you're looking at machine needles, the larger the number, the larger the needle. The lower numbers indicate finer needles, and this is opposite for hand sewing needles. So hand sewing needles, the larger the number, the smaller the needle. They definitely make that a little confusing. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And then, so for thread labels, the packaging has three key pieces of information that you want to look at. There's type, weight, and treatment. So for different types, you you know, you'll have cotton, polyester, rayon, metallic, all sorts of different things. And then weight, you'll have things such as 50 weight, 40 weight, 20 weight, and so on. And then treatment, you'll have mercerized, gassed, or coated. For thread, the smaller thread weight number indicates a heavier thread and a larger thread weight number means it's a lighter thread. So a lot of things to keep straight there. Yeah, and it's all opposite of how I think about it. Yes. So most quilters use cotton or polyester thread for their projects or use an all-purpose thread, which is a mix of cotton and polyester. And this is good because the thread is strong and comes in a variety of colors. Most thread is mercerized, even if the label doesn't say that it is. And this is a process of wetting the thread to allow the color dye to penetrate the fibers. If the thread is gassed, it's a low lint and has a shine to it. And coated thread has a coat of wax or resin and is very strong. So now we're going to look at how you pair your needle and thread. So once you've gone to the store, you've deciphered the labels, you've gotten your needle and thread, now how do you pair them together? So a good rule of thumb is to choose a needle with an eye that's slightly larger than the thread you're using. So basically, if you're using a thicker thread, you want to use a needle that has a larger eye. And if you're using a thin thread, use a smaller needle eye. A needle that is too big can leave holes in your fabrics when you're sewing. 
and a needle that is too small can shred the thread or cause the needle to break. So if you find your thread to be shredding or skipping stitches while you're machine stitching, it's a really good sign that you're using the wrong thread and needle combination, so you should try something else. Yes, and it's always, you know, a little bit of trial and error before you get the right thing. Absolutely. So let's talk about some common needle and thread combos. So for general purpose machine sewing, we would recommend an 80-12 universal needle and all-purpose thread. This is the most common combination, and it's probably the one that you have set up on your machine right now. So the slightly rounded point of a universal needle is sharp enough to pierce cotton fabrics, but not so sharp that it can damage knits, so it's something you can use for most of your projects. And the all-purpose thread is readily available, and it comes in a ton of colors. Yeah, so when I'm piecing a quilt, I like to use Microtex needle size 8012. And Microtex needles are also known as sharps, and they have a very fine point. And this fine point is great for making straight, precise stitching when you're piecing quilts. They come in a variety of sizes and can be used on a handful of different fabrics. So since I typically work on quilting cotton, they're my go-to needle. Um, I usually just pair them with a 50-weight cotton thread. So next we're going to talk about needles and thread that are good for hand sewing, such as English paper piecing, hand applique, and binding. So we recommend sharps and cotton thread. So ultimately when it comes to hand sewing, use what you're comfortable with. There are so many different hand sewing needles made specifically for the type of sewing that you're doing. There's applique needles, embroidery needles, quilting needles, and many, many more. <laughs> um, so common needle type when stitching by hand are sharps, which are thin needles that have a round eye. They're very versatile and usually uh, longer than an all-purpose needle. And you can use different weights of cotton thread with the sharps depending on the type of stitching you're doing. 50 weight is great for traditional hand piecing, whereas a finer thread such as 80 weight is great for English paper piecing and hand applique. So I don't tend to do a lot of EPP or hand applique, but I do hand stitch my binding to the back of my quilts once I've sewn it to the front. And I like to use a milliner's needle, which they're also known as straw needles. And they're very similar to sharps, but they're a little bit longer and easy to maneuver through the binding. And this is my favorite tip to give quilters is I actually use a hand quilting thread, which, you know, it has that coating on it, to do my hand stitching on my binding for a few different reasons. One, because it's coated, it glides really, really easily through the fabric and all the layers so that I have no trouble um, with that. And the coating helps prevent tangles. So a lot of times when I'm doing binding, I like to grab long lengths of the thread so that I don't have to tie off the knots so frequently. And I can grab really long lengths of thread when the thread is coated because it does not tangle and knot itself. So if you, you know, have found yourself struggling with that, I would highly recommend hand quilting thread for that. And I think it's really, really strong because it has that coating. So mm -hmm. I just, I yank on the thread. I think it holds the binding in place. It goes through the washing really easily. So I would definitely recommend that. And this is just an example of how you find what works for you. Yep, so definitely. I, yeah, so I've done cotton thread for binding for years and then tried something new and loved it. And yeah. it's all about breaking the rules when it works for exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> and I love the idea of doing that because, you know, usually when you're doing your binding, you usually, you know, pull off a long piece of thread and it can tangle easily. So hopefully by using, uh, using that, it, it prevents tangles. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about hand quilting. So for hand quilting, we recommend between needles and then hand quilting thread. 
So betweens are short, sturdy needles that are specifically designed for hand quilting. So they typically have a small eye, which allows them to move through the quilt layers easily. And if you're first starting out, we suggest buying a pack of needles with a variety of sizes so you can get comfortable with the quilting process. So the more accustomed you get to the process, you can work your way from a larger needle to a smaller one. Remember, the larger the number, the smaller the needle. And hand quilting thread, as I mentioned before, has a coating which makes the thread really strong so it does not break. And it really helps reduce the amount of lint that is produced when you're moving your needle in and out of all those layers. So I've only recently started experimenting with hand quilting and I've started by doing the big stitch method, which you might be familiar with. It's been gaining in popularity lately and I personally love it because it's very forgiving. Unlike traditional hand piecing, big stitch quilting is basically what it says, bigger stitches and thicker thread. So I like to use a size eight pearl cotton thread with an embroidery needle. Um, you know, it's a great way to start out because like I said, it's forgiving. You know, it's a good way to practice the kind of the method of hand or hand quilting um, without having to make all those tiny little stitches. You know, I would love to try hand quilting in the traditional way sometime, but this is just a great way to get some practice in. Yeah, hand quilting is on my bucket list yes. too. <laughs> so next we're going to talk about um, needles and thread for domestic machine quilting. And there are machine quilting needles and you can use a variety of different threads. Um, so quilting needles are designed for what they say, again, quilting. They have a tapered point that is designed for stitching through multiple layers and over seams. So when choosing thread to quilt with, think about the finished look of your project. Cotton thread leaves a matte finish, whereas something like a silk thread can give a nice sheen. A lot of quilters also like to work with polyester since, it's le since it leaves your project lint-free. 40 weight thread is commonly used for machine quilting, but you can also use 50 weight. Yeah, and I generally just use the same needle and thread that I used for piecing, also for my quilting. Uh, I use a really thin batting in most of my projects and do pretty simple quilting, like straight or wavy lines, so I've never had trouble with my needle going through my layers or skipping stitches or anything. Although once I did quilt a project with metallic thread, so I made sure I used a 9014 needle and I adjusted my tension and stitch length. So I definitely recommend switching out your needle if you're experimenting with different threads than you normally use. Mm -hmm. So we just threw a ton of information at you and don't expect you to come away knowing exactly what you should use for each project. As Lindsay and I discovered while sewing, it takes a bit of trial and error to figure out which needles and threads work best for you. So no matter which size machine needle you use to do your piecing, just remember to swap out a fresh needle about every eight hours of use. We're all guilty, myself included, of sewing with needles way longer than we should. So use this podcast as a reminder to change out your needle. For more information about different needles and thread weights, um, you can visit the link in our show notes. Thanks, Allison. We'll be back after this quick ad break. I'm here with Allison for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. What stories do you have for us this week? Well, this first quick little story comes from WHO-TV, which is actually our local news station here in Des Moines. Haley Carroll, a 10-year-old from the area, has spent most of her summer sewing hair scrunchies. Before she was born, Haley's grandma passed away from ALS, so she's aiming to raise money through her sewing hobby. 
Haley's father said this is a way that we can tell stories through her grandma, even though she didn't meet her. She can hopefully almost feel like she got to know her through this process. Um, she sells each scrunchie for $2 and donates 50 cents for every one she sells. Uh, at the time this article came out, she had sewn 200 scrunchies. Wow. Yeah, pretty amazing. It takes her about three minutes to sew one scrunchie and can get about 40 made in one day. She likes to sit down and sew instead of watching TV. And her goal is to raise $200 by the end of summer for the ALS chapter of Iowa. So if you're interested in helping her reach her goal, you can purchase some scrunchies and send her an email. It's scrunchies for the number four, ALS at gmail.com. So in reference to raising money for ALS, Haley said, I know my grandma died from it, but I know other people also die from this. So I'm helping other people and not just my grandma. Oh, she's so sweet. I know. It's such a great idea. And I love that she said she'd much rather sew than sit down and watch TV. I know. And I could definitely use some scrunchies for the summer. So I'm going to check that out. So we're going to link to all of the stuff in the show notes so that you can reach out to these people if you're interested in supporting. Yeah. All right, our next story today was originally published online by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. James Matthews, a documentary artist living in Little Rock, began noticing piles of belongings on curbs as he would walk and bike around the city. Usually he documents the city through photographs, but he turned his attention toward quilting to document the homelessness issue in Little Rock and just raise general awareness across the country. As James made his way around Little Rock, he kept seeing clothing items, photo albums, toys, and other personal belongings piled up on curbs in front of houses. He would ask neighbors what they knew about the families and what had happened. Sometimes the neighbors were able to confirm that families had been evicted and had to leave their belongings behind. And this really left an impression on James and made him think about eviction and the growing social concern. He said, as a parent, it's especially hard to come across an eviction when you see that a child was part of it. So though James regularly saw the physical remnants of eviction, he wanted to bring the experience and awareness to those who wouldn't normally notice. After trying to photograph the aftermath of evictions, he decided that the images felt too cold and distant. Instead of photographs, he came up with the idea of using clothing items at eviction sites to create quilts. He made sure to find out when trash trucks would be coming by the area and waited until the very last minute to gather materials because he wanted to make sure that families had the opportunity to gather their belongings before he picked them up. He said, I was hoping the families would come back for their things. So once James got the clothing items and other textiles home, he made sure to wash and iron them and he ripped out seams as needed. He sorted textiles by color and started designing quilts after he saw what he had to work with. Having not been a descendant of quilters, James got his knowledge from studying folklore at the University of North Carolina, where he learned about traditional quilting patterns, such as strip quilts and log cabins. He said that this education prepared him really well for this endeavor. Quilts speak of home, stability, history, traditional, passing things down. These eviction quilts are about the loss of those things. James has made nine quilts from materials he's found at eviction sites. They're all on display at the Arts and Science Center for Southeast Arkansas. The collection is titled Eviction Quilts by James Matthews and is on display until September 28th. Each quilt in the collection is named after the street where the materials were found. He doesn't plan on selling any of the quilts because he doesn't want to profit from someone else's tragedy. His reason for making the quilts um, is to hopefully engage a larger conversation about the city and evictions going on around us. 
And one final quote from James that I think hopefully inspires you and starts a conversation about homelessness. He said, you are never far away from the idea that this material represents real lives and real losses for these people. You never want to lose sight of that. The material has been transformed into something that hopefully is looked upon as beautiful. It holds within it attention. This beauty comes from tragedy. Wow. That is just a very thoughtful way to turn those materials into something to raise awareness and to really show off, you know, turning that situation into something a little more beautiful. Yes. And yeah, I like the general awareness it brings because, you know, if you just saw those quilts, you would think they were just beautiful quilts. And then knowing the history of them and how they were, how they came to be, it's really impactful. Thanks for sharing those, Allison. Now we'll do Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer your most pressing quilting questions. We have a great question here today from Nancy Dotson. She asks, I'm about to make my first twin size quilt and I want to use wool batting because it's going to be used on my daughter's bed and I want to make sure it keeps her warm. I've been hearing about bearding that can happen when you wash a quilt with wool batting. How do I avoid this? So for those who don't know, bearding happens when batting comes through your quilt's fabric and it looks like small wisps of batting all over your quilt. But it's not inevitable when you're using wool batting or any batting. So here are some tips for what you can do to avoid this. The primary culprit of bearding is using low quality or loosely woven fabrics in your quilt. So if you plan to use wool batting, just make sure you're using really quality fabric. Another cause of bearding is how you're quilting. So if you're using a dull needle, which would punch larger holes while you're quilting, or your tension is set too high, it can leave gaps in your quilt where it's quilted that the batting can work its way through. So just make sure that you're starting off quilting with a new sharp needle. If you're a fan of pressing your seams open on your quilt, you may have a higher risk of bearding because there's open space between your stitches. So pressing your seams to one side will help keep the batting inside your quilt. Some battings have a right and wrong side. So if your batting is needle punched, the right side of the batting has pinholes while the wrong side has little dots of batting, kind of like a sweater that has pills. So those little batting dots can get caught on the needle while you're quilting and cause bearding if you don't place your batting in the right direction. So the right side should go toward your quilt top while the wrong side should go toward your backing. When you're washing your quilt, wash it on a gentle cycle using cold water and a cool dryer to prevent bearding. Static can also be a cause of bearding, so throw in some wool dryer balls or a dryer sheet when you're drying. So hopefully these tips will help you avoid any bearding problems that you may have while using wool batting or just in general in any of your quilts. Next is Reader Tips, a segment where we share your best advice to common quilting struggles. This week, we'll explore a few options for keeping your workspace clean. The first tip comes from Vanita Aldridge from Spokane, Washington. She says, I attach a wide loop of masking tape to my ironing board. As I iron, I clip threads and press them onto the tape so I don't have to trim them later. 
the tape prevents them from ending up on the floor. The next tip is from Cindy Burrich from Sturgis, South Dakota. She says, The floor under my long arm machine is not carpeted. To keep it clean, I cut pieces of leftover batting the size of my sweeper mop, place one under the mop head, and dust the floor. This lets me save in two ways. I use up excess batting and save money on mop cloths. Barbara L. Hunt from Kaiser, Oregon says, I glued a small circular magnet from a craft store to a dowel from a hardware store. I used the handmade wand to gather stray pins I dropped on the floor. Amy Stanley from Hamburg, Arkansas says, I clean an old mascara brush and use it to remove the dust bunnies and lint from my bobbin case. And the last tip is from Elaine Perez from Miami, Florida. She says, I love pre-cuts, but don't like the lint that comes with them. So before I put pre-cut fabrics in my stash, I step outside and blast the fuzz off them with an aerosol duster. Those are some great tips. We love hearing these ideas from our readers. If you're interested in submitting your own tip for feature in our magazines or on the podcast, send an email of your tip to apqtips at meredith.com. We'll be back after this quick ad break. So we have a fun segment we're doing today. So for those of you who don't know, the company that owns American Patchwork and Quilting also owns a lot of other magazines like Better Homes and Gardens, All Recipes, and Magnolia Journal. And they also own Wood Magazine, which is a magazine really similar to our quilting magazines. They publish woodworking plans, they do product reviews, and they share a lot of how-tos and tips. So I invited a few members of the Wood Magazine staff to our podcast today to play a little game where I'm going to throw out some common quilting words to them and they're going to guess what they mean. Um, so before we embarrass you guys, uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Craig Gregsager. I'm the deputy editor. Uh, Kevin Boyle, uh, senior design editor. John Olson, design editor. And do any of you guys have connections to quilting? I do once you... slept under a quilt. Yeah. Um, Several times, actually. <laughs> I, I'm actually from the motherland, so I'm from, I hail from Winterset, Iowa. So you'd have to be pretty blind to not, not be exposed to that. So well, then shout out to PeaceWorks uh, Quilt Shop. Those are my good friends, Tony and Jeannie Jac- Jacobson. So Yep, they were featured in Quilt Sampler as one of our top shops recently. So yep. so you you should really know what you're doing. You would think. You would think. <laughs> you, would think you would think. Uh, I, I know they do beautiful work. I, I can just tell you that. <laughs> That's the most important thing. <laughs> okay, so... For this game, like, quilters know that a lot of our terms are kind of crazy sounding to people who don't know how to quilt, so I'm going to just throw out some terms, and you guys just (laughs) say what you think they mean. Okay, no particular order. Bobbin is the first word. Uh, That's the little, uh, it feeds thread into a sewing machine? Yeah. Is it like the little spool that the thread's on? Yeah, it goes in the bottom of the machine. Yeah, you got to put your thread on the bobbin. And, there and you then go. That goes inside the machine. Yeah, you okay. got that. Wow, you're off, off to a great start. start. I should have started with a, a harder time, one. It's a good time to end. <laughs> 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 Only downhill from here. Are we right. keeping score? Are there fabulous prizes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, chain piecing is the next one. Ooh. I'm going to say it has to do with something about putting pieces of fabric together. End to uh, end, perhaps? Yeah. 
I, I just looked at it and thought chain piercing was <laughs> more interesting. Um, it's yeah. a new fashion trend. Chain uh. piecing. I mean, you guys are close. It's it's where you just keep sewing without cutting your thread until you have a long chain of pieces sewed together. Okay. That was close. Yeah. Okay. The next one is dog ears. <laughs> 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 we have nothing even smart alecky. <laughs> uh, would that be like triangular shaped pieces of quilting? Mm, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, look, those uh, pointed ears. Uh, well, I, you dog ear the page of a magazine or a book. Ah, uh, well, there you go. Okay. Is that is that kind of it? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. close. When you sew pieces together, sometimes you get a little awkward triangle piece that sticks out at a weird angle so you always have to cut off these dog ears oh. before you keep sewing otherwise they so is that considered like a mistake or just no. part of the craft nope, it's part of the craft of yeah the do you guys have stuff like that dog, uh, ear, no, dog ears no, and woodworking no. No, they're, they're called no. they're called design opportunities <laughs> <laughs> okay fat quarter oh, yeah. <laughs> um, fat quarter a lot of dead air on this podcast uh, <laughs> Just have to do with. Uh, it's not a body part. That's what quilters well, like to say. Um, I'm out. Does <laughs> <laughs> this have something to do with amount of fabric? Yep. Oh, so what do you what do you call that? So is it like a quarter? What do you sell? Quarter you? yard. Yard. Or, yeah. So, so they're they're selling samples. A fat quarter is a little more than a little, a little more than a quarter of a yard. Um, it's actually, it is a quarter of a yard, but when you buy fabric off the bolt, it is 42 inches in length by the nine inches, a quarter of a yard. When you buy a fat quarter, it is 18 inches by 21, which is half of that still, bolt length. Still. Oh, same so the area. same amount of fabric, but it's just a different area to work still, with. Still didn't get that. But yeah, yeah, if you go into Peaceworks, Kevin, they will sell fat quarters. Fat quarter. They're like candy. Is there a fat <laughs> it's okay. You can just you pick them I, every time I Is go to a... Is there a fat half or... No. There's oh. a fat eighth. Fat eighth. Oh. <laughs> okay. You, you can invent something. A fat half. <laughs> a fat half. <laughs> That's a, it's a good idea. Of course, that could mean something in some other lingo that we don't know about. Okay. The next word is quilt sandwich. Is that when you... Put the batting in between the layers. Yeah. Sir, good job, just like Craig. that. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Got it. Throwing out batting there. I mean, yeah. batting was one of our words, so do you guys know what really? that is? Craig does. Oh, <laughs> <I'm lying>. <laughs> <laughs> it's the inside of the quilt. Of the quilt. <laughs> I should have planned that <laughs> one to come before quilt sandwich. Genius. <laughs> yep, it's what makes the quilt warm. Okay. You did chain piecing. What about strip piecing? Some people that do that call themselves strippers, or they belong to a strip club. <laughs> hmm. A little more too quilting than yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> different, different groups in the quilting world, aren't there? Um, the risque bunch. So uh, the last one was end to end, just, just side to side? Yeah, you sew a bunch of strips pieces. of fabric together, and then you cut them up so you get like a striped effect. Oh, oh. very cool. Okay, what about bias? Partial to. Would that be grain direction of the... 
material yes. as it's woven? Yeah, you guys have the woof, grain. The so. woof or the weft? <laughs> it actually is when you cut the fabric on that 45 degree angle against the grain. Huh. So it makes the fabric really stretchy. Creating a chatoyance. Exactly. Oh, that's what you call it in woodworking? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> that's what John from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. I don't know that word. <laughs> it's a small northern town. <laughs> okay, die cutting. Oh, you know this one. Maybe, Go ahead maybe, then. <laughs> maybe we've done this in, with uh, veneers too. Uh huh. Yeah. Little sh- metal shape, and you press through to cut the fabric into that yep. shape. Yep. Yeah. We've done the same thing with veneers to inlay them into tabletops. Yep, I was going to say it's probably similar to like a laser cutter, but not quite as fancy. Cricket is wood. Yeah. Is that for the die Yeah, yeah. Yep. Look at me. That's a pretty fancy machine. He's a stripper. He's a stripper. (laughs) Okay, what about UFO? Oh, I've seen this in the magazine. Um, (laughs) Oh. He reads your magazine. (laughs) Hey, I read wood magazines, so. Um, Something found object? Mm, it's no. unfinished object. Unfinished object. Yeah. Quilters oh, have a lot of UFOs. Well, I think we do too. I actually, yeah. uh, I know someone who's in this room who's got a lot of UFOs. <laughs> Matter <laughs> of fact, I think he's circled himself yeah. around his bench, and you can't get to him with UFOs. <laughs> we call it to do. <laughs> we call Your it to do. To do pile. Your to do pile probably takes up a lot more space than ours would. Oh, this is true. Though. Yes, I would <laughs> certainly agree with that. Okay, what about crazy quilting? Uh, is this having to do with the stripping? <laughs> <laughs> when you've had one a too many of glasses of wine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, does this involve wine, possibly? <laughs> it could. It is. It's actually like an old Victorian technique of quilting where you would just use any material you had lying around and you would just sew them together in a random order and then you embellish it with like embroidery or beads or a ribbon. Hmm. It, it looks crazy. I mean, if you saw one of these quilts, you would know immediately it was a crazy quilt. Cool. Okay. In the ditch quilting. <laughs> this is the last one. You know, actually, I've heard of sewing in the ditch. Yeah, yep, same thing. Or stitching in the yep, ditch. Yep, stitch in the ditch, same thing. Stitch in the ditch. No, I don't remember what that, what that, exactly <laughs> what that was, but I've heard that term used before. But stitch in the ditch. Stitch in the mm-hmm. ditch. Is it like a low spot or something? Is that? Well, I, I mean, maybe it's the edge or something. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. So when you you have uh, sew two pieces of fabric together, you have a low edge of it, depending on like how you're pressing all your seams. So you can sew in the low edge right between where those pieces are, and it's called stitching in the ditch. <laughs> stitching in the ditch. Interesting. <laughs> Any weird words you want to throw out to me, woodworking terms? <laughs> we, we Put me to, you can embarrass me now. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do you know what a dado is? A dado is a type of joint. <laughs> cool. Kind of. I don't going. know. So a dado, a dado is just basically a, a, a groove that oh. is cut in the wood, and it would be across the grain of the wood. Okay. So you're crossing the grain of the wood. And a groove would be one that runs horizontal or parallel with the grain of the wood. Okay. Yeah. I'm going with rabbit. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a good one. That's a that good. is a good one. And I know it's spelled with an E-T at the end it and not an I-T. Very good. This is what I get from reading Wood Magazine. It doesn't mean I comprehend, but I know how they're spelled. 
I don't know, inform me. So it's basically a, a, a groove that's cut on the edge of a board. So it basically you have only have one wall. So it's, it's, okay. a, it's a dado or a groove, they have two walls and a bottom. The rabbit just has one edge and a bottom, so it's on the edge. This is all just ways you all get wood to... All ways to join a couple pieces. Yeah. Join the wood yeah. together. Yeah. I got nothing. I think Chateauans was a good one, too. Sh yeah, that was the best <laughs> idea. So yeah. no clue? No. <laughs> so Chateauans is in it. It wouldn't necessarily where you're cutting the wood on a bias, but a lot of times you see this where you put... So you have a piece of wood that has uh, the same grain. You cut off, cut off chunks of it from the same board, but you take the first board, keep it where it is, and you take the second board and you turn it 90 degrees. And as you're looking at those two boards, light penetrates them differently. And as you walk around, it continues to penetrate differently and you get different reflections. It causes this almost movement within the wood without, huh. it's called chatoyance. It's how the light refracts with the cellular structure of the, of the wood grain. Yeah, see, that sounds smart. Kevin has a degree of science. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on Mr. Science, actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I need to do more studying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you're, I just think your machines, your tools are a little more scary than ours are. <laughs> well, I'm impressed with the machines in your craft, too, because I've seen these enormous quilting machines that... Uh, do amazing things and are computerized now and uh, right. it's, it's not yeah. that what I have pictured of you know just needle and thread moving through a, a frame. And yeah I think I think yeah. in many ways honestly in the same thing because I've seen your lab and uh, you know uh, talking to friends or whatnot but it uh, it seems like technology has actually been more embraced I think in your industry than in, in talking the home hobbyists than in our industry because a, a lot of our guys are still using tools that have been around since our fathers and grandfathers uh, maybe there's technological advances to them, but the but the computerized part of that, I think, the the quilting and sewing worlds have just I think really embraced that, and it's pretty pretty amazing. I would, mm -hmm. We have that technology available, but it's uh, pretty slow to come for our our readers. Yeah, yeah. they so. really have to be convinced. They really have to see well, it. Well, it's a lot of money to spend. Well, that's true too. Right. Yeah. And that, and that is a good point, because we really don't know. We just need a sewing machine. We, you guys we, need a lot of tools. Yeah, we, <laughs> that's right. Right. And I know there's more than one machine over there. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Our people own a lot of machines. Right. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you guys for being here. Well, this is fun. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and if uh, any of our listeners have uh, people in their family that are woodworkers, we suggest subscribing to Wood Magazine. It's a really great magazine. We know that woodworkers and quilters really go together well. Yep, yep. both creative hobbies. They mm -hmm. find each other pretty often. <laughs>